Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walls. Today's Bible lesson is a renewing of the mind. A renewing of the mind. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You know, I believe this verse holds the key to unlocking the door to a holy life, which pleases God. Sad to say, many Christians today know when the ball game starts, but don't know when prayer meeting starts. The children know what is on channel 6, but don't know what is in Matthew 6. Many saved church house Christians have a hard time living a holy life. This divine nature is right opposite our old nature. I want you to think about this next verse in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 14, the Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, if a man or woman cannot live a holy life, they cannot see God, plain and simple. This is what the Bible says. But, buddy, you don't understand. I'm not perfect. But I understand what Scripture says. He loved us while we were yet sinners. But after we come to the knowledge of the truth, it is time to mature in the things of God. We cannot stay a baby in Christ. But to accomplish any of this, we must first practice old-time repentance. Now, what do you mean, old-time repentance? The new modern repentance is repent a thousand times, and your good should outweigh your bad. That will not work. The old-time repentance means to forsake. No need repenting unless you plan on forsaking or giving up. We must stop whatever we were doing. Repentance is not sorrow over the fact that one got caught doing wrong, but it's an honest evaluation of sins committed and then turning away from them. Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verse 10, Luke chapter 15 verse 10 Likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. God will not bless this nation again until we turn from our sin. We murdered a million babies through abortion and call it women's choice. We've taken the Ten Commandments off the courthouse walls is not to offend. We've taken prayers out of our school as not to offend. We say that gays and transgenders have an alternate lifestyle. God calls it an abomination. Where does it end? What is right is wrong, and what is wrong is right. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. The Bible says, If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land.
Now, what part of that do we not understand? Here is something many Christians do not understand. God can use us as something besides pew warmers. And many of us cannot do that well. He will take us as we are. Just don't expect there to be a rose petal pathway. Don't say, woe is me, why did this happen to me? You are a lump of clay. He might have to mold you or a block of wood he may have to whittle on. It is not your ability God is interested in. It is your availability. In other words, like when we are not in the house of God. Have I ever been out of the house of God? Yes, I have. But I cannot justify it unless I was on a deathbed or a serious illness. And you can't either. Oh, there are times I try to justify it. I got an upset stomach. I got a headache. I feel bad. I've had a hard day. We do everything possible to justify our slackness. I will not suggest anything for you. I will not suggest for myself. And if that is too hard for tender ears, maturity in the word will benefit you. Amen or oh me. So what shall we do? Well, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 37. Acts chapter 2 verse 37. The Bible says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? There is a good question. What shall we do? We are staring at a lot of wickedness in this country. Crooked politicians trying to change the Constitution and some of our laws founded on Christian principles. Oh, by the way, our president just appointed a new White House press, press secretary, a gay black woman. I'm not surprised. We talked about earlier about abortion. How about 2,300 babies per day? We mock the things of God while promoting good witches. There is no such thing. Not counting the witchcraft and warlord cartoons to our children. As Christians, we have become hardened by what we see and what we hear. We, like Lot, uh, have become vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The values that we were raised with and passed on to our children have been trampled by the depraved and reprobate feet of the blasphemous people. So, what shall we do? Repent and admit our sins. While we cannot correct our past, we can adjust our future. Here is one thing we can do as a country, as a nation, and as individual Christians. Get rid of our pride and humble ourselves. We see people with their heads too high for their neck, thinking they are something they're not, full of vanity. Someone said one time, I'm important. If you don't believe me, just ask me. The book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 3. Romans, chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We not only need to be more humble, we need to teach our children and grandchildren 
to be also. I have never seen this not fail. Usually people with an overabundance of pride will eventually experience a fall before they can humble themselves. It is only by God's grace we are what we are. He is our next step and He is our next breath. I realize that many Christians see the world in turmoil and that evil is on every hand and they wish for the Lord to come back soon. But we have to remember what the Bible says in James chapter 5 verse 7. James chapter 5 verse 7 the Bible says, Be patient therefore brethren unto the coming of the Lord. The wait is nothing compared to eternity. No matter how I go by the rapture or the grave, it is not much time compared to eternity. There is an answer for every problem in life in the Bible if we only talk with God. James chapter 1, chapter 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But how many of us do this? We usually try to figure it out ourselves instead of talking to God first. The name of this study is A Renewing of the Mind. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be ye, but be ye transformed. Instead of following the ways of the world, the Christian must be transformed or changed into a new form of life by the renewing of your mind, by having a new spirit, and walking after the spirit. The word for transformed is remarkable. Our word metamorphosis is the same word letter for letter. The Bible says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, found in John 3, 6. John 3, 6. Humility is sober thinking. Pride is drunk thinking. Uh, He that thinks more of himself than he should is intoxicated with conceit. But he that judges righteous judgment which we can, therefore, is humble or think soberly. God help us to be very sober in our thoughts and ourselves. When we can take it upon ourselves to judge ourselves righteously according to the word and then getting rid of our old self and replacing it with the renewing part, that is when we begin to mature as Christians. But most Christians and non-Christians alike want to make excuses to justify their disobedience. Then they continue in their sin. They continue in their slackness, in their disobedience. And if God lifts his hand of safety and allows tribulation to come our way to teach us obedience, uh, and we learn from it, only then are we following God's will. But we are a stubborn people, as the Bible says, a stiff-necked people, and wish to do it our way instead of God's way. It is amazing how it can take a lifetime to mature in the Lord, and some don't ever make it that far. 
That is why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of God's truth. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 4. Romans chapter 12 verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Verse 5, Romans 12, verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. I want to ask you a question. Are we not one body in Christ, and every members one of another? That is what we just read. That means we are accountable to one another. We need to hold each other accountable. This is why we do not need to criticize someone that preaches or teaches how sometimes we are slacking our obedience toward church attendance. What we need to do is bite the bullet, repent, and go another direction and thank God that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who care enough about us to hold us accountable. Look at the book of James chapter 5 verse 20. The book of James, chapter 5, verse 20. It says, Let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. We are not to be politically correct and avoid truth so we will not offend. What we are not to do is to go looking to offend on purpose. That could lead someone away from Christ and not toward him. To put a bridle on our tongue is sometimes needed to allow people to grow in the Lord. Look at James chapter 3 verse 2. James chapter 3 verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in his word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Are you a Christian that feels that he or she is not worth a whole lot to the majority of the Christian community? Well, I want to ask you, who is the judge of that? The majority? Did you know the majority is most of the time wrong? Allow me to give you some examples. I have seen political elections gone south. I have seen abortions go south when God says, Thou shalt not kill. He did not say, Thou shalt think about it. I have seen the Ten Commandments taken down. I have seen prayer taken out of school. I have seen gays and transgender promoted as a correct lifestyle when God calls it abomination. I have seen a Kentucky, Kentucky Derby horse who was not famous, had no outstanding record, and was not even supposed to be in the race win the Kentucky Derby. He beat the million-dollar horses as he crossed the finish line in first place. The announcers had a hard time figuring out who he was because they did not even know his name. I want to share with you someone who is close to winning the race, and their name is is known, the born again. The saved has already gotten the victory. Our trainer is Jesus Christ himself. You are not a nobody. You are a somebody to the creator of all that is in the race, and he knows your name. The jockey of the Kentucky Derby winner said to himself on the last straightaway when he was halfway back in the pack, I know I'm the winner, and that is how he finished, the winner. Now, you might think that you are 
uh, in the back of the pack of humanity. But if you are saved, you are already the winner. You have already won because your trainer helped you get there. The jockey and trainer both said the same thing. They they knew they would be the winner when no one else believed them. Everyone else mocked and said there is no way. God may be molding you from a broke-down plow horse, but someday, soon, you will be an award-winning thoroughbred for all eternity. I want to ask you one more question before I close. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Did you know the, the Bible says he wants you to know for sure that you're born again, that you're saved? All you have to do is repent of your sins, say, God, I recognize I'm a sinner, and then turn from that sin. There's no need repenting unless you plan on forsaking that sin. And guess what will happen then? God will save you. If he said he would, he will. And then spend the rest of your days living for the Lord and promoting the things of the Lord. I hope you've enjoyed this study. Dr. Buddy signing off.